Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what up, listeners, and welcome to Rice, Asian comedy podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment, culture, and trending topics. On today's episode, we will be talking about health during the COVID-19 quarantine and getting into both physical health, mental health, and a few other topics like that. On today's show, we have with us Sam. Say hi. Hi. And we also have Lily. <laughs> oh, um, I just uh, realized when I was Sam, but I'm actually Lily. Say <laughs> 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 hi to Sam. Yes, the uh, the it was is is a very uh, is a very Asian wave. Um, so we are going to. Um, so this whole month we've been talking about Asian heritage and what being Asian means to us. But because we've already had both Sam and Lily on earlier in the month, we're going to take a, um, a food approach to what being Asian means to us because we're talking about health. So let's, um, let's uh, throw it over to Sam first. What, how did uh, Asian food play a role in your upbringing? I think for, because I come from a mixed British and Indian ancestry, I've always had the spice between, um, I don't know, like regular beef stews and fish and chips and horrible boiled food with salt and pepper, which my Indian family hates. And then you've had these uh, amazing curries with loads of spices, which the English family hates because it stinks up the whole flat <laughs> or the whole house. So I've always had a battle with that. But now I think uh, in terms of food, I find this very, very funny that there was this uh, one bloke a couple of years ago who tried to patent uh, turmeric. So he tried to make turmeric tea and uh, turmeric milk of a healthy thing. And he was right. And I was like, oh, wait, like a few thousands of years ago, my ancestors did that. (laughs) So you can't patent it. So... It's been very interesting watching how other non-Indians or non-Asians react to our food. They call it smelly. And now they're like, oh, no, we need lemongrass. We need turmeric and uh, <laughs> spices and all, uh, red pepper and all of those things. 
So that's my thing. Like now Indian food is tasty and amazing and I will not share my recipes with you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know in Indian food is um is so it's generally known as being really healthy and really delicious. Um what what I always knew growing up was a lot of a country standing within Asia of how other countries viewed them was definitely a big factor was their food like how much did their food permeate other countries and india is quite known for their curries i should know because i was born in thailand and we're also known for mm -hmm. our curries but even uh even thai people would know that we are number two in curries because <laughs> india is number one and yeah. i am not ashamed <laughs> to admit that so many of us yeah, <laughs> we just win by sheer number. Like there are way too many Indians everywhere. Uh, yes. And now let's uh, head over to to Lily. How did Asian food play a part in your upbringing and your life now? Well, I'm Chinese. My parents actually lived in Vietnam, but we're Chinese. We came to Canada thousand years ago. But uh, Chinese food. I mean, growing up, I remember having rice pretty much. 364 days of the year. Mm -hmm. So my dad would make a whole bunch of dishes or my mom would make a whole bunch of dishes, whether it be meats and vegetables, and then you would pair it with rice. And of course we drink green tea, like it's water. My mom would never actually drink water. Mm -hmm. She would have to, it, she would have to have some sort of tea. And it's interesting because now that, you know, we don't live at home anymore, but every now and then I still get pangs of like, I'm craving rice. Like I really, really crave rice. So I think that's a huge part of my upbringing. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of um, a downer when I realized that rice isn't actually that good for you if you're trying to lose weight. So mm -hmm. that was kind of, you know, it's always been a comfort food for me, but um, I love it. And I love how like now the Western culture is so immersed in Asian food. I mean, I would bring up something like, hey, I eat chicken feet at dim sum. And I think it would turn some people off and then I'd see like other cultures you know you know be like I love that too and I'm like you like chicken feet <laughs> or duck tongue so it's really like interesting how the world is becoming you know smaller and smaller because we're becoming so integrated and it's good to hear that some of the stuff that I find weird you know that I thought other people would find weird isn't weird anymore like I go to TNT and I see like you know different not just Asian people there and they're buying like orange squid and mm. you know when i was growing up people you know would used to say you that what, what are you eating but now they're like you know i eat that squid all the time so yeah that's a little bit about my upbringing lots of chinese food yeah i definitely love that people are starting to be more open-minded like non-asians are being more open-minded about eating different parts of the animal because i definitely knew like at, at my house we ate like every part of everything because a lot of times you know different families would sort of um would would uh bundle our money together and then go buy like a farm animal like a whole cow or go buy some some ducks and then everybody would come over and like chop up the cow and all this stuff and like you weren't wasting it like you had to mm -hmm. pool your money together for that cow you're eating every part of that cow every part of that chicken. I remember one of my favorite things growing up was, um, was, was, was a chicken neck. Um, and uh, I feel like most North Americans probably wouldn't eat it. I would say with rice, um, it's not as bad as you might think. So people, um, one thing that the food scientists, I don't think 
do before they measure rice is because like every every white friend I've ever had has always just cooked rice as it was without like washing out the um, starch in the rice, which is why when they measure the calories, it has so much starch. And I was like, well, that's because you don't wash it out. Obviously, you're supposed to like we would rinse out at least three times, like until the color of the water was clear before we put oh, in yeah. the and rice. Oh, yeah, and then you'll just uh, let it stay for 10 minutes and then steam it properly. Yeah. yeah. And all these white people are like, how can you cook this rice so perfectly that everything is separate? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah, white people don't know they have to wash the rice, so they count in all that starch. And also, I will say, rice contains protein which people don't know they just think it's all carbs it does contain protein that's why it's considered filler food in asia because if it didn't contain protein it wouldn't make us full so i would just say you know there's food science and then there's you know thousands of years with billions of people eating it and i would take that sample size over the food scientists just oh, my actually, personal thought. food science says that rice is a very easily digestible carb so unless you have major issues against rice, like uh, diabetic people, they so they have foods with uh, it's called a glycemic index. So mm-hmm. foods which have high glycemic index are peppers because they can be easily digested in your body. But if you have diabetes, it's very hard for you to process that. So stuff like mango and grapes and rice, diabetic mm-hmm. people can't have that. And just because uh, in North America and the Western world the percentage of diabetic people and pre-diabetic people is so high, they just gave a blanket call that rice is unhealthy. When it's not, just come to Asia and look at this uh, rice-eating population. Mm-hmm. Like one American it's is rough. equal to four or five Asians. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. And so I, I, I was similar to both of you. I ate rice. Basically, if we didn't have rice with a meal, we would have rice noodles or like something made out of rice and if we didn't it was considered like wasting the food so like if we just ate the meat without a portion of rice it was like you're you know being like like a diva (laughs) like you're 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 not properly (laughs) getting your portions of vegetables and 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 like a balanced plate you have to have a balanced plate that was my mom said all the time like you have a vegetables and indians are very vegetable heavy country Mm -hmm. like 98 percent of the country is vegetarian so we would have a a bowl of vegetables and then lentils and then some sort of salad then rice or any kind of carbs so Mm. like we have naan and roti that's it that was a balanced meal yeah yeah, no, and so growing up, what um what Asian food meant to me is pretty interesting. So I was I was born in Thailand, and you know probably about a quarter of my family is from Thailand. But I'm probably more culturally Laos because my dad um, was from Laos, and that's where he and my mom met and were together a while before. I was just sort of born on the way to Canada <laughs> um, in <laughs> Thailand. So culturally, I'm more Lao, but we also. Had, as a family, we ran two Thai restaurants. So it was just sort of this this crazy mix. And, and Thai food is similar to, to Lao food because obviously they're, they're adjoining countries. And I, I, I think like in ancient times, they were the same country. And like the language is pretty close to identical. It's like, um, shake, it's like English and Shakespearean English. If you ask the other one to Whoa. slow down, you could actually understand each other. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, they're yeah. To me, the, it's it's kind of all mixed in. Like they're separate countries now, but they're they're basically you know have share a lot of heritage. And mm-hmm. so I grew up eating a lot of Thai food, a lot of Lao food, a lot of Chinese food because my mom was born in China. Um, so. You know, food was definitely really important to me. I was lucky because like 80% of my elementary and junior high school were Asian. So I never got like weird looks or told that my food was smelly because they had equally like, you know, awesomely bizarre food. Yeah. <laughs> but amazingly uh, centered food. That's what I call it because since I come from a mixed family, so we never had that issue. But then in London, I have uh, like, my Indian cousins in London, like the pure Indians, mm. they have two separate kitchens because mm. they grew up in the 70s and the 80s where the white people were like, your food is smelly. So in the mm. main kitchen in the house, they would make a British food, which is just baked beans on toast and boiled <laughs> potatoes. And then they have a kitchen which is outside where they'll make that amazing Indian food like Ali Gobi and uh, butter chicken and biryani. And I remember going to an aunt's place once and I was like, I learned this great recipe for biryani and I want to make that. And I was a child and I was very excited. And then she directed me to the outside kitchen. Mm. And for the first time, I was like, this is wrong. Like, why are you punishing me for making our food? Mm. And But I reckon like people face that and it's like, why should you be ashamed of your food? It's so nice. Yeah, no. Hopefully, hopefully things have uh, have advanced since 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 then as far as uh, food food acceptance and stereotypes and you know as everybody who's ever had a durian knows you can't judge the taste of the food by the smell of the food because uh, durian is one of the most delicious things ever as long as you. Uh, to hold uh, your nose yeah. Oh, yeah although i will say i am not making that same comparison to indian food because i think indian food smells good and tastes good mm-hmm. i just um just before somebody emails me um saying i'm <laughs> i'm comparing durian to indian food i am not that was not a direct comparison so uh, <laughs> let's uh let's let's get to our main topic of the day which is health both physical health and emotional health um, during the time of COVID, how has the quarantine um, affected our health and what we're doing to maintain good health? So let's start with, with Lily. How has the quarantine affected your health? I think the quarantine has actually helped my health some days. And then some days it really messes with my health. <laughs> I think, um, you know, initially when we were told to stay home, I'm like, great, I'll just eat Haagen-Dazs and, <laughs> and, you know, cause you're bored and you can't go anywhere. And so, you know, I'm just eating all this junk food, but then I got my butt into gear. I'm like, you know what? I can't go to any restaurants. So I started cooking everything. And because the gyms are all closed, I had to become creative. I had to work out at home. I pulled out all these videos that I haven't used in probably a decade. Mm. I don't know if you guys have heard of Insanity. Oh yes, my God, yes. I am yes. doing Insanity. I'm on day 23. P90X, like things that I literally have done P90X. <laughs> I'm like, I have not touched these videos in, in like literally a decade. And, you know, it's, I popped them in and I started doing them. And once you start one, every single day, you just start doing another one. And now I've kind of developed a habit, but then like some days I'll, I'll go back to like, 
oh my gosh, how much longer is this going to last? And I go back into the, the ice cream. And so it's been like, initially it's been a bit of a flip flop, mm. but now I'm really getting back into it and just getting creative. Right. Because I don't have any weights at home. So I've been using like, you know, whatever I can, that's heavy mm. enough to lift. Like the other day I was using a vase <laughs> and like just using random things and just doing random things for exercise, like running up and down the stairs in mm. my condo, running outside so yeah, it's been, uh, you know, depends on the day, but overall, I think I'm developing better habits because of mm. quarantine, which is interesting. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a sim, I've got a similar story. Um, although for me, when the quarantine first happened, I was really sick for the first couple months. So Ooh. probably end of January, pretty much since Chinese New Year until about end of March, I barely left my bed. So I was really sick and I gained probably 20 pounds or no, maybe, oh no, what I did was so I gained about 10, 15 pounds. But then once I, you know, at the start of April till now I've lost, I've lost about 20 pounds. So on the whole, I'm like down five pounds. So I went up 15, then I went down 20. <laughs> so I just, uh, so I, I'm, I'm really fortunate because I, I've got a treadmill and um, in, in my apartment and a, and an exercise bike because I, I had knee surgery about seven years ago. So it was just, too much drama always going down to the physiotherapist so I just got some home equipment and it's really paying off right now um I would also say eating as well I think I think you're totally right Lily like I was eating out way too much before the quarantine and this has just forced me to you know to uh really plan my groceries and not only plan the groceries but like I have, I'm only getting grocery deliveries once a week. So I have to plan out my whole week of food. And I, hopefully if there's one thing that can come out of the quarantine, it's this focus on my health and, you know, really understanding like the importance of food and preparation and hopefully I can carry that mm -hmm. forward. Um, so let's, uh, let's uh, throw it over to, to, um, to Sam, who uh, I, I think you've told me in, um, uh, previously that, uh, that health, um, was a big part of your profession and you really had to had to to watch your health um. yeah so I was a bodybuilder when I was in the UK and this mm. was after losing almost 100 150 pounds oh wow. so yeah so I've been on all ends of the spectrum I've been called excessively fat I've been called excessively skinny when I was like 98 and 100 pounds then I started building muscles and I've been called a manly mm. because I had a six pack and then I had like 16 inch biceps and for a five feet two inch curl <laughs> apparently that's a big size and I'm like uh no I have 16 inch biceps I can move all the furniture in my apartment that's what I did when I moved to my flat I got all the furniture in myself and assembled everything in a day because I am very strong. So when the quarantine happened, I was very, very, like, I still am very dependent on gym. I have to have my cardio in, lift the weights. I used to compete with all the blokes in the gym that I have to get, like, so I was at 150 pounds in deadlift. Like, I was mm -hmm. obsessed with numbers that I need to do 90 minutes. I have to eat every three hours. I need to have 30 grams of proteins, like, just laser focus. 
And when I lost all of that because of the quarantine, I started with the workout videos, kept weighing myself, kept being very, very obsessed with healthy foods. And then there would be days like on my rest days where I would cheat. Mm. And then I think a month into this whole madness of numbers, I was like, no, wait, this isn't the reason I used to work out. Like I had like the reason you are working out is to be healthier, to be stronger, to be happier. And if 90 minutes of my day are all about me stressing that I am not getting the kind of exercise I want. And every time I eat something, I feel guilty. That's not being healthy. Mm. So now I've uh, trained myself to not look at the weighing scale. Just do the workouts that I enjoy doing that make me feel happier. So I've started doing yoga. So as a bodybuilder, Mm. you usually hate yoga because it's just different and then dance i have no coordination i do dance workouts then today i ate uh, four donuts mm. i was very happy i got the donuts made a boomerang sent pictures to my parents I'm like i'm eating all of these donuts then uh, two hours later i just fancied a workout so i did a 30 minute uh, hit cardio workout and then after the workout i was like do i want a protein shake or do i want another donut <laughs> and yeah i had a strawberry donut so I am happy about that. I am not looking at weights or numbers because it's all about being happy and healthy. And uh, I know I am not going to be unhealthy or I'll suddenly lose my ability to move all of my furniture into another apartment if I fancy. <laughs> and that's my thing. Like I can still do headstands. So when I get very angry, I just turn upside down. I do a headstand or mm. I go down and do like 20 push-ups, and I'll be back. That's what matters. It doesn't matter if I have 18-inch biceps or 16-inch biceps. So mm. I'm just training myself. It's fine. I don't have blokes to compare with. <laughs> I am going to wait till the gym opens and I'll be like, the six-packs are back and I'm going to defeat you, 200-pound man. <laughs> I love all these English references, like flats and blokes. And I love it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's yeah. uh no that that that's that's quite that's quite a journey is you know being being you know all different types of of body shapes and getting that feedback. I know I I I get that a little bit as a gay man and also as uh as a public performer, but you know, I I will say that those are very limited instances and I'm not on stage all the time and I'm not always in the gay village and so I get to um, escape that type of scrutiny um, once in a while. Now, as 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 women, from what I hear, I have three sisters. From what I hear from women, there is no, you know, break from it. It's pretty much you can be a huge success in life, and people will just mention that, just like this Adele situation, um, where you know she could possibly be the best singer in the world, and all people want to talk about is. Is, is her weight so let's let's go over to Lillian you know how how, do, how does that make you feel as, as, as a woman like the the reaction all the conversation is about her weight well I honestly think it's her choice at the end of the day right I mean let's she does look amazing I mean she looked amazing before but now she is I guess what society's you know standard of what beauty is right you have to be a certain especially in her field I think it's very very competitive and I think you know I I think recently even Taylor Swift came out and had like 
a talk about, you know, her eating habits and how it affects you when you see yourself in pictures. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's more a mental thing. I think she looks great, you know, both ways, but um, if she, if she's healthier now and she likes herself now, it's what her choice is. Right. But I do think people do, like you said, women don't get a break. Like we always, you know, as much as people are like, oh, just be healthy. But when you put on that extra 10 or 15 pounds, like you don't feel comfortable, let alone. you. And then I think it's it's more how you feel about yourself. So, I mean, if she... But it's usually a question of uh, why don't you feel comfortable? Because I... if the if weighing scales never existed, mm-hmm. you would never know you've gained 10 pounds mm-hmm. or even two pounds. It's because the society sort of forces a standard on us. Which is very funny because back in the UK, I think uh, British women are much better off than North American women because in North America, size zero and size two is fetishized in a very horrific manner. So when Adele was back in the UK, she was very comfortable and I reckon she's still comfortable because the funny part about the whole debate is that she's not talking about it. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is talking about it. So if you were... uh, bigger size as according to american people you'll be fine in the uk you're fine everywhere else it's a society that makes you think that you're supposed to look a certain way so i think it's sort of like you have to break from the chains otherwise it's just a very weird journey inside your head and i face that and i still face it every single time so every time every day actually when i wake up and put up a video to work out, I'm like, why am I working out? Am I working out for abs? Or am I working out? Because moving helps release happy hormones. It helps release endorphins. And I like that. That's mm-hmm. it. So it's the societal chains that have to be broken. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think, you know, if a woman, like if you're carrying too much weight where it's like you can't breathe well or it's going to cause diabetes, like unhealthy weight is what I think people should try to lose. But I think like, do we need washboard abs? Like, do we need to be a size two or a size four? It's impossible. It's impossible to like, you know, today's standards, like you can never, and you know, when they talk about supermodels, that's 1% of the population. Like, And 90- those are genetics. Like I remember, what's her name? Uh, Gigi Hadid. She came out and she said she had a malfunctioning thyroid gland. And that's the reason she's not able to retain any weight. Mm -hmm. So you can't go and fetishize that. And also about abs. Like I had a photo shoot a couple of years ago where, so when you have six packs, you don't always walk around with those bricks because you have skin and tissues and you can't remove your skin and tissues and fat. So for three straight days, I was only allowed to drink watermelon juice. So that my six packs pop up. Yes. And then uh, 12 hours before the shoot, I had to take diuretic pills to remove Mm. all of that extra water so that the muscles, they stick to the abdominal muscles. It's like weird kind of a thing. It shrinks. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. So all of these things, it's not possible. It's just stupid. And after that shoot, I was like, this is bollocks. I don't want to do that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's the society and they just, especially the media. Like recently someone recommended this film by Amy Schumer. It's called I Feel Pretty. Mm. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, Amy Schumer is a size six woman, which is smaller than an American average. 
and still she is being uh, called uh, a plus size person or someone who's larger than something that she has to come out and be like no accept me she's never a, a mainstream actor so it's mm. just wrong it just messes with people's heads like i have my girlfriends text me they'll eat a piece of cake and they'll be like oh i'm thought i feel so guilty and i feel bad that i did this i haven't been running i haven't been doing that why workouts mm. are not supposed to do that mm. or healthy eating isn't supposed to do that it's all about your uh, being healthy and happy yeah i definitely yeah. think society we need a change we need a makeover and you know some of these top models when they finish modeling then they really come out and they tell the truth like i recently saw this documentary about this one model who said you know i i had two apples all day and a diet mm-hmm. coke that's all i had and now that she's not modeling anymore she eats like a regular person right like mm-hmm. that's that's not what a woman is supposed to eat in a day. So, I think sometimes like on TV it could be like smoke and mirrors, you know, it's not really indicative. Oh, it's always smoke and mirrors. Yeah. I was on shoot uh, like I won't name the shoot, but like there was a really famous actor and he's a he's he's a normal man. He's a regular normal man who hasn't taken steroids or anything, but because uh, the director wanted to show his abs so all of us because we were all the assistants we were out there painting abs on his stomach oh. <laughs> yes oh so, yeah so most of these people they don't even have abs because it's very hard to get abs you have professional bodybuilders who eat like when i was a bodybuilder i used to eat like half a chicken every day mm. just to get enough protein and then have a protein shakes and uh, clas like different kinds of supplements you can't expect actors or just regular people to have that mm-hmm. and it uh, messes like these models it messes up their uh, blood circulation also because you've been starving your heart for such a long time it thins your blood and then your mm-hmm. blood pressure increases so when you try to come back to a normal diet because otherwise you'll die your heart and your body isn't able to sustain that and you mm-hmm. have heart attacks recently a model actually died because of this oh wow because she was Yes, she was uh, diagnosed with an eating disorder. She came out. She's like, I want to recover. She had recovered, but because her heart was so weak from all of those years of starvation, she just mm. yeah, she had a heart attack. And I think she was in her thirties or forties. Wow, that's pretty extreme. Yeah. Although on the flip side, I do see that people are turning the corner. I think fifteen, twenty years ago. there was a standard like supermodels mm. or you know you have to be a certain size but i think like over time as a society we are changing that now like you see fuller models in pictures now and you see fuller women on tv so yeah. i really embracing that you know 15 20 years ago you had to be 5 and size 100 100 pounds. pounds to be a model but yeah. now you see you know bigger models and they're really like society has caught up i think and i like think- an average size and a normal person yeah like i hate the kardashians but the only reason i like them is that they have normalized curves yes it's fine like if you're a woman and you have a big ass yes you need us <laughs> you need some fat to sit down on like i'm an indian person i have a big ass so i can sit on the floor cross legged and it will never hurt me <laughs> So I like it. Yeah. So 
I like Kardashians for that, like for the whole big ass thing. Like, yes, because all <laughs> body types are different, and now more races are getting mixed up together. So you can't just create one kind of a person, like a heroin chic kind of a thing. Like I, I have a Caucasian body structure, which is very broad, but then I have an Indian height, so I'm like this short broad person and up until Kim Kardashian became famous actually I used to hate my curves mm. and then I saw this woman and I met her and I was like she's my height she's my height and my body type I met her for an interview and despite whatever things she says like she's not the smartest person but just meeting her and walking around London uh, just doing that interview with her it filled me with confidence mm. that I, earlier I used to wear lots of baggy clothes and then I saw this woman and she was like, she wore, uh, she always wears three pairs of clothes just to accentuate her curves. Mm. And I'm like, I just need one pair because I already have those curves. Oh. Yeah, so I, It's I, like the society needs uh, more <laughs> uh, diverse models. Yeah, I definitely echo some of that. I mean, I think, uh, honestly, I think the Kardashians do have a good body image because like Kim Kardashian like her curves are they look great and that's what a woman should look like you should have some curves right so yeah I think she's a good body image model you don't have to be stick thin and still look amazing which is good because oh. you don't have that one standard to strive for which is just to be uber uber skinny exactly the fact that you can look healthy and attractive in any body shape and size like mm. my best friend she is the most european whitest person ever and it's in their genes like these white people they're supposed to be really tall and some like she comes from a viking heritage so these people are very tall and skinny girls don't have any curves and that's fine mm. i come from an uh, indian background so i have curves and that is fine like i have a friend and she's from ghana and uh, she has a different kind of curves and that's completely fine like you have variety and that's how it's supposed to be otherwise everyone was trying to get implants and uh, like liposuction and ways to look i don't know like just different color of stick like they were all just different colors it's yeah. weird yeah no I, I definitely think that it's that it's great um that <laughs> You know, I, I think that the, the world still has a ways to go, but definitely has come a long way as well. Um, you you and the listeners may have noticed I was uh, mostly silent for, for that part, um, mainly because I, 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 I do think that the, the beauty standards are different for men and women. And I really enjoyed your passionate um, discussion about it. And, and I was just trying to lean back and learn and instead of jump in like most men and assume I know... Better, um, even though I don't have to face the same type of type of scrutiny. So that was that was a very lively, uh, uh, more more of a discussion than than a debate, but definitely a lively lively discussion. Now, um, you know, with with the quarantine, it's affected not only physical health but also mental health. Um, and so I'll, I'll I'll just sort of you know give a bit of background on 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 me. So you know. When, when I'm not performing, I'm actually quite, I'm not sure if introverted is the right word because I, I wouldn't say I'm shy, but I prefer being alone more than I prefer being with people. Like I would say um, 
the number of people who I would have like one-on-one -on -one dinners with in Toronto is less than the number of fingers on my hand. Like I don't really spend a lot of time with people. And when I do, it's usually for work or it's for sports because it's required to have a lot of people. So actually for me being, being quote unquote cooped up hasn't actually changed much. Like I'm, 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 I'm quite lucky in that way. Like I've, you know, like I, I live with my boyfriend and he definitely has to get out and take his daily walk. And on the days where he's not able to, it really affects his mental, um, like, you know, his, his mental state for the rest of the day, not being able to get out. Um, and so the lack of social interaction, like he has a lot of um, Zoom calls, you know, multiple Zoom calls with large groups of people per week to get that social interaction. I'm, I'm kind of fortunate. I don't really... Um, I don't really have that need. And so it's probably affected me less than others, but I've certainly seen how it's affected those around me, including my boyfriend, other people in my life. Um, let's, let's head over to, to, uh, to, uh, Lily. How has the quarantine affected your, your emotional health? Well, it's, I think I'm like right on the cusp of, I'm, I'm half an introvert and I'm half like, a, like half and half. I'm a bit of an introvert, but a lot of an extrovert, and I really enjoy people. So for me, it's been tough because I need lots of Zoom parties. I've been going for tons of walks with my dog, which I'm so fortunate I have him. And I don't know how it's going to be when I actually have to go back to real life mm. because he's going to like be like, what the heck? What's up with my four walks a day? So I really <laughs> look forward to those walks with my dog because we can like socialize with people on the walks and yeah it's been really you know it depends on the day like when I'm at like I'm still working Monday to Friday you know my, my usual nine to five so that keeps me engaged and I'm talking to my coworkers. but right after work I, I need to go for a walk or I need to call somebody and I really miss the interaction to be honest and, and just simple things like going to the mall just going to, you know, just a place where you can congregate with people. And I've been going to Rexall because I live really close to Rexall and they see me every single day. Oh, <laughs> and the, they're like, like the, the Rexall on? pharmacy? <laughs> <laughs> I go there to buy snacks, like chips and like, so I go there and I get like two things a day just to Ghost initially, right? When this whole thing went down. Mm -hmm. And this one lady's like, and I kept asking her, hey, do you have any Lysol wipes? And it just, because I didn't want to seem like, why is she coming in every day? What's wrong with her? I just needed some place to go and someone to talk to. <laughs> and then she just took my number. She's like, we'll call you if there's Lysol wipes. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, no, because now I can't come in every day and there's no excuse to come in every day. So, yeah. So I think for like, because I'm more extroverted, it is a bit tougher for us, right? Because we're so used to that social interaction to keep our, our minds fresh. So yeah, the walks have been helping though. And how, how, how has it been um, affecting your, your emotional state of being, Sam? So I'm also very similar to Lily, like uh, mm. work days are fine when you have nine to five and you're talking to your uh, co-workers and you're working, but then, uh, when there are not enough people and I'm new to this country, so I don't have any close family or friends. So usually I would, uh, like before the quarantine, I would go out in the evenings, go to comedy clubs or try and work on a new project. 
So I sort of uh, channelized all of that into creating new random projects. So every day I'll come up with a new idea and I'll work on that. And then if I get bored, I just sleep and I listen to podcasts for hours and hours. Like there are days and I'll just wake up and I'm like, it's one in the afternoon. Do I fancy waking up? Or do I want to listen to episode 341 of this random podcast? And I will do exactly that. So I'm just listening to whatever I fancy, like the five donuts today. I had three pizzas yesterday. Yes. So I just do random things. Then I may have finished a painting a couple of days ago because I randomly wanted to make a painting. And ah. I slept for a whole day. So I'm just listening to myself. Like, does this make me happy? Does this, It's like sparking joy. Like, does this spark joy or does this not spark joy? And that's why this large container of salad has gone bad in my fridge because it did not spark joy. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah. and uh, how how about how about you, Lily? Have, have you been finding new things that that spark joy, or how have you been filling your time now that you don't get to have the same level of social interactions? Actually, interestingly, same with Sam. I found like a lot of projects that have been left like half done. Now I'm getting a chance to go back to them, like books I haven't read. I mean, I'm going back to read them. I'm writing new comedy now because I didn't have time before. I was so busy. But now, like, you know, all the, I, I you know, do some stand up comedy and somebody would give me some feedback, like Vong, you gave me some feedback. And I never really had the time to go back and mm -hmm. actually clean up some of the, tips that people have been giving me to make, you know, the jokes funnier. And it's given me time to really clean up on projects like that. And just around the house, I have never seen my plate <laughs> this clean, you know, and now it's like, oh, got to wipe that up before when you're going on all cylinders, like, you know, you go meet up with some friends for drinks after work, or you go to like, you know, a comedy club or something. And there goes the entire week. And like the last thing you care about is like dusting the top of your light bulbs, you know? And now it's like, like I'm maintaining a cleaning regime too. Wow. So it's, I know it's, I've bleached my carpets. Like <laughs> I clean my carpet and I was like, these are white carpets. They should be bleached. So one day randomly at two in the morning, I decided to bleach my carpets. Wow. And then I'm really ah. grateful I didn't die because uh, bleach and then closed windows, oh, I oh, could have died. So I was doing risky work. I was, yeah, I was taking lots of risks. It felt really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. I was just very happy. Yeah, but I've been finding funny facts. So I have been religiously avoiding any COVID-19 news. That's been my thing. Like, Ooh, I will get the hard. facts. Yeah, I will get the facts. Like, okay, this is what is happening. This is what we are supposed to do and then i will try and find a funny news around the world and then laugh at it for 30 minutes because i have the time <laughs> i could yes i can like i just found out that ravens like in their whole lifetime like to dedicate their hatred towards one human so they'll just find one random human to hate and if they <laughs> see that human the ravens if they see that human and they will attack him even after 20 years, if they, that's the human they hate, they will hate that human forever. <laughs> I've laughed at it for 30 years. Wow, very, <laughs> very vengeful birds, these, these are Angry birds. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So ravens are my new favorite. <laughs> Well, you know that I think that that's a good tip that uh, that we can all take. Um, 
for our own mental health is to not watch all of the news coverage. Obviously, pay attention to any uh, bulletins that you get from the government or public health officials. <laughs> but uh, yeah. definitely when this thing first started, I was watching the prime minister's address every morning at 11. Then, you know, there'd be some crazy Donald Trump thing happening. And <laughs> then some weird thing with the... With the uh, with the with the UK where Boris Johnson he also you know was doing some some craziness and then I was just like I was spending most of my day just listening to people talk crazy so I have also felt much better mentally once um once I I stopped doing that um and on on, on that note um we're 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 gonna wrap this up um I'll just uh um. Uh, push it over to to Lily to talk about if you have any projects coming up or 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 just or just what what are you planning to to do over the next week maybe around your physical or mental health what activities I think over the next week I'm going to continue my P90X insanity workouts because mm. I find that I don't know if you guys have found that you know every time you work out you do feel a lot better about mm -hmm. everything as a it's whole It's the endorphins yeah, and it helps me sleep better. So I'm definitely going to continue that. And, you know, because I used to be so busy, like I worked out maybe twice a week, but now that I have so much more time, like when I miss a workout, I feel like I miss it. So I'm going to keep that up for sure. And I'm definitely going to keep writing my comedy because that keeps me happy as well. Mm. And go for lots of walks with my dog. He's been like, I'm so glad I have him, even though he's a pain in the butt. He's kind of a tyrant because he thinks he owns the whole neighborhood. And uh, yeah, so I'll keep that up for sure, which has helped both my mental and my emotional, well, my mental health. Okay, that 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 sounds great and much healthier than than my plans. Um, for me, it's just basically walking uh, walking about sixty minutes per day on my treadmill. But I'm worried because my treadmill started to make really weird noises. And I don't think service um, uh, service uh, or warranty rep uh, re uh, repair technicians are available right now. <laughs> so I'm just hoping that, I don't know, that it at least lasts me until this quarantine is over. But uh, otherwise, I might have to actually go outside and see real people. So that, that's, <laughs> that's my plans for the week is to, uh, is to uh, walk on the treadmill and hope it doesn't break. And let's uh, let's finish off with with Sam. How are how are you planning to 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 keep healthy in the next week? I think uh, mostly just com being a raven and uh, competing with all these uh, people on uh, workout videos. Mm. Like that's my thing. I look at a person, I'm like, I hate you for being so coordinated and balanced. I need to do that. Like uh, yesterday while doing a yoga pose, I just toppled mm. like a toy. So my plan is not to fall down while doing yoga and compete with those people and be the world's greatest dancer with two left feet. Mm. Well, that, yeah. that, sound, that sounds super amazing. <laughs> I used to love dancing and I wish I could do it again. Hopefully will again someday um, once this quarantine lifts. Um, but, but until then, I will probably... Put on some music uh, right after this podcast and start dancing on my own. So there's that to look forward to. Um, thank you. Um, th thank you, Sam. Thank you, Lily. And thank you to all the listeners. And we will see you for next week's episode.